0: The following audio is from the Ridge Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. For more information about Ridge Church, please visit ridgechurch.cc. We hope you enjoy this message from the Ridge. Did the band sound really good this morning? I had my mic on the whole time, and I feel like my voice was maybe contributing. I don't know. Um, I'm going to take the, the you know credit for that. My name is Wesley, if uh, you don't know me, and uh, I get to serve here at Ridge Church along with so many of you, and thank you for being here today. And we turned turn the lights up just a little bit in the, I like seeing you. It made me feel better. All right, so we're going to actually continue the series that we've been doing over the last, uh, this is the third week of the three things that Jesus didn't say, or the three things Jesus uh, never said, however we want to kind of go with it. And the thing about this, uh, hopefully if you You've been here, hopefully you've been here the last two weeks, but if you haven't been here, then please try to check out the uh, podcast. There have been excellent sermons and, and uh, really interesting uh, viewpoints on how we can actually take what Jesus really did say and apply it into our lives uh, daily. Uh, so if you don't know a whole lot about me, just to kind of throw this out there, I'm going to show you a picture of my daughter. This is Mercy Kay. She looks just like me, so I'm going to take your awes as in I'm cute too. Um, <laughs> um, and I eat yogurt like that. This is what's weird. We both have a chair like this, and I sit in it. Um, yeah. So, uh, so Mercy here has had some yogurt, which we feed her yogurt on a pretty much a nightly basis. It just depends on the, the vibe or the mood that she's feeling that night. Uh, and this was probably a couple of months ago. Right now she's at 14 months old. And you can see that she's got a little bit of yogurt, you know, not so much in her mouth, but around it. And on everything else beside her and her arms and everything. Um, because when you let a 14-month-old drive during dinner time, this is what happens. Um, so you might be asking, well, why am I doing this? Or why am I bringing up a picture of my daughter for this morning for the sermon? Because if I were to actually say, Mercy, at 14 months old, Mercy, go clean yourself up. There is absolutely no way that that is ever going to be a good idea for a 14-month-old. Because what's going to really happen is this yogurt is all of a sudden going to be on that door. And probably in my ear, the dog is going to have a yogurt bath. Like yogurt will be everywhere, right? And if anything, it's going to actually make things a whole lot worse. Because you can't expect a 14-month-old to clean themselves up, right? And for me to actually expect that out of her would probably be a little bit unfair. You know, for me to say, Mercy, clean yourself up, I'm actually putting on a requirement that she can't meet. And I'm setting her up for failure, And honestly, frustration, because when a baby or a 14-month-old is trying to accomplish whatever their task is, whether it be a tackle the dog, if they can't get it done, they automatically get frustrated. And if you've seen a frustrated baby, it usually doesn't end with laughter. It's usually screaming and crying, right? We have a lot in common with a baby in that sense, because we can't clean ourselves up. And the thing that Jesus never said was for us to come to him, all who are cleaned up and have it put together. Because that would also be unrealistic. Like, we aren't able to do that. And if we were to try to do that, it would honestly just leave us broken. It would leave us empty. It would leave us frustrated, much like a 14-month-old that wants something that they can't get. We would have our own little area of tears and pain. And, and when we talk about that kind of an expectation, this is why God made a way. So we're getting ready to jump into that. And for now, I guess, let's just go ahead and start with prayer. So if you'll pray for me. I'm going to pray for you guys, and let's just see what God has in store for us today. I I think, honestly, he has something that that every single one of us can take away, and uh, and hopefully what we we take away will lead us to hope. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for the family in this room. Thank you for the people that may not even believe in you, Father, that are here. Uh, God, thank you that they've came, and I just pray that you would give them faith, that you would give us more faith. Maybe you create a fire in our hearts to to believe that you absolutely love us without limit. So, God, when we hear this word today that there might be areas where maybe we find it hard to believe, I just pray that you would increase our belief so that it would be true in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so for starters, um, we take this mindset that we are either very dirty right, like the 14-month-old, or we can actually take the mindset that we got it all together. But the beauty of that statement is the fact that it's not possible for any of us, and because it's not possible, God absolutely made a way. You see, we're not capable of cleaning up ourselves. We're not able to make ourselves acceptable to God. But also, in many cases, we're not able to do that with other people. You know, But we seem to try to do so. So whenever we're in a position where maybe we feel dirty or beat up. I'm going to quote the philosopher and poet Katie Perry for just a moment. <laughs> and, uh, and I just want to see if any of us can relate with uh, what Katie's bringing. All right, so first off, we, we feel like maybe we have this perspective where if we pull our socks a little higher and our bootstraps a little tighter, we can get things done. But it always leads us to a place where maybe we feel like we failed. All right, but here's Katie, and in her ever words of, of genius, listen to this. I'm not going to sing it, by the way. I was joking. I did not make the band sound any better today with my microphone on. I'm a terrible singer, so I will try to not do it, but it's really hard not to when Katie, you know, touches you. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever feel like a plastic bag drifting through the wind wanting to start again? Do you ever feel... Feel so paper thin like a house of cards one blow from caving in? And, you know, it might make a joke about it being Katy Perry and a philosopher, but, but come on, we all actually can relate with that statement. Every single one of us have had days where we just felt like, if one more thing goes wrong, I'm just giving up. Every single one of us has been there. If you haven't been there, it'll probably happen tomorrow. I'm speaking prophecy right there. Listen, not really. It, it's just we, we live lives like this. Our lives are always going to have moments where things let us down or things don't go the way we planned it. Right? And when that happens, this is how it leaves us feeling. It leaves us feeling empty or broken. And maybe you're having a hard time trying to figure out, well, what do you mean by this? I want you to think about it this way. Have you ever let your parent down? Say you're, you know, as a kid growing up, you ever got a bad grade and know that you had to take that bad boy home? I have. I'm just going to say, I've got a room of geniuses, but but I have had those bad grades that, that when I've gotten home, I'm like, I'm definitely getting a grounding, you know? Um, or what about your spouse if you're married or you're, you're dating someone? Have you ever let them down to where you feel like this tall? I can tell you that I know I probably on a daily basis do not meet necessarily the expectations of my wife. And, and I say that not because she's being unfair or unjust. It's just that's how I feel internally that, that maybe I let her down at least from some time because, I, you know, I look at her and I think she deserves so much more. Uh, you know, I, th- I think she deserves the world. And she's not here, so I just want to point that out. Um, I'm not saying this for brownie points. This just is just the truth. I feel like she is a, a great wife, and she deserves a great husband or a great uh, great man. And then I even think about maybe our kids. Has anyone ever let your kid down or let their children down or a, a, at least some kid? Or, am I, you know, am I the only one that, that also we can interact? We. This is okay. Joy and and. Laughter and and truce are going to happen today, so embrace it. It's going to happen. Listen, when we let our kids down, how do you feel? Say, you know, you promised that trip to Dollywood, yet the finances just aren't coming together, so you can afford the ticket to pay for the whole family to go. And then on that day, the kids are like, are we going to Dollywood? And the question is asked, and you say, no. We can't afford to today, sweetie. You know, we've got to eat. How do we feel in that moment? How do you feel whenever we let someone down on that type of a level? We absolutely feel crushed and worthless, right? As a parent, I know how I feel whenever I take juice away from mercy. We're talking about juice, right? And then all of a sudden, it's like she's frowning and crying, and I'm like, well, I can't give you the straight juice. I can give you juice and water at this point. Well, she don't want that. She's had juice, right? But I feel absolutely terrible for taking juice because this is how life impacts us. Even the small moments actually hit us and make us feel Either inadequate, worthless, unlovable, disappointing, right? You know, maybe this isn't one that we can relate with so far, but I want you to think about this. What if we feel unlovable? Have you ever met someone or spoken to someone that has been abused? Maybe that's you. Maybe maybe you are an abuser. Have you ever spoken with someone that's been raped and asked them how they feel? Because I would tell you that in so many of these cases the, the overwhelming feeling that, that they are seeking to overcome is the, the fact that they feel unlovable. Because of what happened to them, they feel that no one can ever love me again. And if we're on the other side, we're the people that have hurt someone else. We feel like we could never deserve a good woman or a good husband because this is our life. Our life hurts people. We are destroyers. Like this, this hits hard, but we can all relate. We all know someone that's been hurt. Every single one of us in this room knows someone that's been hurt. And, and in so many cases, every one of us has hurt someone. And, you know, we are left with this feeling that maybe I just don't deserve it. Now, there are two perspectives to this because we have that side of it, but then we also have the other side that says, well, all right, maybe um, maybe I'm not that bad. Like, what if?" you... I do get the good grades. I'll work really, really hard so that my parents can actually appreciate and, and praise me and love me because i got straight A's now. Or I can work hard enough to get this promotion at work. Or I can do all the dishes and clean the entire kitchen, and I can fold the laundry, and my wife will be happy, or my husband will be pleased because dinner is on the table when he gets home from work, right? Maybe they'll actually love me a little bit more. Or we can actually take it this way, especially teenagers. I don't want you to really think about this, but we do it as adults too we're in a relationship we haven't gone to the place where we shouldn't go until we're married and we say well if i just sleep with him he'll love me if i just sleep with her she'll love me she'll stay with me the fact is is that ain't going to make anyone love anyone you see we take these things and we look and like if i check this list off and i I do these things right then we will be lovable and we will be good and we will find someone that will actually accept me exactly as i am but that is not the case you see we will always have more checks to, to, to mark off We'll always have other boxes to, to complete. You know what, and then we get into the place where maybe we can work hard enough. Well, there's another little skew on that. What if we were in this self-righteous mindset to where, I'll be honest, I've got it all together. You know, I go to church every time the doors are open. I, I, I volunteer at, at schools and in the homeless shelters. I have a 401k, a wife, two kids, and a dog. In fact, you know, from the American perspective, I look like I have it all together, and and people in my church would actually say that, that I do. Man, he's a role model. He's doing good stuff. But even to the point it actually impacts me to where I say, I, maybe I believe that. Maybe I do have it all together. The fact is, is that no matter how together you or I think we have it, we are all still screwed up in our own ways. Like no matter how self-righteous we are. Listen, I can tell you this story. Um, and it might be awkward for a sec, but I'm going to get it out there. Listen, as far as thinking you got it all together, you've been in this conversation with somebody to where you think, I'm looking good today. I mean, I've, you know, I'm looking sharp, I've got my content t-shirt on, um, I've got my jeans on. Uh, I had a buddy of mine that came to the house, and, and this is a true story, by the way, so this is what you get with, with me, but this, is a, this guy came to the house, we were sitting talking, the conversation's irrelevant, it doesn't matter, but we're just talking, and he says, the Buick's trying to get out of the garage. I'm not a mechanic. Don't know what that means. So I said, okay. So go right back into the conversation. A couple minutes later, he's like, hey, dude, the Buick's trying to get out of the garage. And I'm like, Buick's must try to do this. I don't know what this means. And then a few minutes later in the conversation, she goes, dude, your pants are unzipped. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I look down, and I'm like, all right, Buick garage, get it. Now I know. Thank you for that. You know, that whole time in this conversation, my thought wasn't, you know, make sure your fly's up. My, my, my conversation was actually going, I'm, everything here looks fine, and I'm just focusing on the interaction between. In the meanwhile, what he noticed is, is like, dude, your pants are unzipped. Right? says, so, listen, when we have our concept that our lives are all put together, we may be actually rolling around with unzipped pants or untucked shirts or toilet paper on the bottom of our shoes, right? Like, that's never happened. But but we do these things. These are true stories. And, and we may think that we have it all together. Or we may think that we're absolutely too dirty to be cleansed. Um, but the thing is, is on our own efforts we will never be acceptable to God. And this is why we actually have to have a solution. Because we have a problem that you can't fix. And a problem that's not so far that it can't be fixed. You see we can't be too dirty. You can't do too much. You can't seeing god's grace and you also can't do enough to not need it so what's the solution the solution here is actually the gospel and this is where jesus comes in because we're all in desperate need of rescue and the gospel comes in to do this you see we can't live perfect lives so jesus came and he lived and he lived perfectly he lived sinless he absolutely blew our minds by actually coming down to where we are and living a life that is so great and so holy and so righteous that when he died on the cross, it actually would cover our sin. And then his death on the cross was actually something that not only, like, he just go up and die, and then, okay, that was the end of the story. Like, his death absolutely was for you and for me because we needed someone to cleanse us of our sin. You know, I have this quote up here, for something to become clean, something else else must become dirty. Anyone play softball? Anybody? Me and Melissa. All right. Uh, Anybody at all ever played softball? Just raise your hand. Played in the mud. Anybody? Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about me playing in softball. If you've seen a softball field, you know how it's got the red clay or sand that's on the infield? I typically play shortstop. Here recently I am moving to left center to kind of lengthen my career of playing old man softball. Um, but on shortstop, and, and, and I like to slide. I'm a Pete Rose slider. So if you know what that means, that means head first, going into the bag like crazy, and that means every, every single game I go home, and I have a big stain going down my, my shirt, more so in this area now, <laughs> um, right there. And I have this stain of red clay, and then I have it down my legs, and then I get to the house, and we actually have specialized towels and, and washcloths for me to actually get cleaned up when I get home. And I'll get in the shower, and, you know, the shower, the water's coming Then I'll look down at the, sh- at the floor of the shower, and it's just muddy water, right? But when I get done out of the shower, I can take and I look at the towel and the washcloth. And I'll see on my own, my own body like I'm clean. And I'll look at the towel and I'll notice that it's red. Or I'll look at the washcloth and I'll notice that it's, that it's red. And it's not because I'm a ginger. It is absolutely because of clay. This does not wash off. This is not contagious. Um, but because this cloth actually cleaned me up, it took on my dirt. And you see, the cross, Jesus took on the cross our sin so that you and I could actually be made clean. Like, his death on the cross was absolutely necessary. And then when he rose from the dead, he, he showed his authority and power over life, which means he also showed his authority to give us life. You see, not only did he take on our sin, but he also gives us life and life abundantly through him. You see, apart from Christ, we are all unclean, unacceptable enemies of God, and only Jesus is able to redeem us and rewrite our story because our stories need rewritten. Because if our stories are not rewritten, if our stories are not redeemed, then we are absolutely lost and without hope. You see, the cross took it all. And and I guess really where we want to go with this is okay, so this is good to know, but what do we do, right? Don't we all want to know what it is that we need to do next? I mean, we can hear this message, and then we go out, and we just say, okay, now it's Sunday afternoon, let's eat. But what I want to say is we actually have something that we need to take part and take away, and we can put it into our lives so we can actually enjoy Christ and the peace that he gives us every single day. And the first place it starts is with faith. Did you know that faith is actually a gift from God? Like, your ability to believe in God is absolutely a gift from God. And, and if we want to get technical about it, the fact that you can breathe right now is a gift from God. That's, that's just grace poured out upon you. But when we talk about faith, listen here. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Okay, so here comes faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is by God's gift that you can have faith. And then the beauty of it is this. Now, it's not a result of works. So that no one may boast. You see, faith is actually from God. Not because we said, I'm going to work hard enough that my faith is now built so that then now I can be saved. No. Listen, God has given you a gift of faith. Like if you have an inkling of belief, it's because God has given it to you. Because if it were anything of our own doing, then we would have the reason to boast. And we would have a reason to say, look at me. Look at what I've done. But we don't have that. You see, God plants the seeds of faith and this desire for hope. And none of us can create faith on our own. Our hope, if fueled and ultimately fulfilled, is the one that absolutely gives us faith. You see, once we see our hope being fulfilled in Christ, faith continues to increase. And then, I want you to think about this. You know, we can't be so dirty, uh, nor can we clean ourselves up enough to become acceptable to God. If we could, then we wouldn't need the gospel, right? If we could become so dirty that we couldn't be saved, then what does the gospel do for you? Nothing. If we could work enough to where we would save ourselves, then what would the gospel be for you? It'd be nothing, right? Because we could do this on our own or we can cancel ourselves out so much that God can't do anything for us. Now, I want you to think about it this way. So take this perspective. Listen to this. And I'm going to read this one because I don't want to butcher it. But you're able to do so much, if you have this mindset, if you're able to do so much that you don't need God because on your own you're good enough to be acceptable to God, here's what this means. In a nutshell, your goodness at least matches his or surpasses his, which then would mean you are God. You would at least have to be as equal or more God than he is if you could work your own way in. Now, we think about this being a polar opposite because if I can work my way in, I can have this self-righteousness going on. and Then we think of the I can be so dirty or so lost that I can't be redeemed. Those are almost the opposite, right? But I I want to bring them together. Think about it this way. So on the other side, you would say that you are so bad that God couldn't reach us to clean us, but for that to be true, and if God is omnipotent, omnipresent, if God is everywhere, like God is able to be anywhere at all times, and he is all-powerful, check this out, and that is true, by the way, and if it is true, then this is what this means, if we think that he can't reach us where we are, then we would have to be able to go somewhere where God can't get to, right? And then also, if we can sin so much, we're a super sinner. You know, we'd have like a double S on our, sh- our chest. We'd be a super sinner. Then we would have to also be stronger than God's ability to clean us up. So that would mean that we can go somewhere God can't, and we would be stronger than God is, which means then also we'd have to be at least co-God or equal to God in some way or more God. Ultimately, both are actually scenes of idolatry and self-worship. So to think that you can clean yourself up and that you are so good Or to think that we are so bad is ultimately saying that, God, I'm more than you are. They may be opposite ends of the same problem. And ultimately, this is why we have the same solution, the cross. And now we have faith in Jesus, then we also have to accept his cleansing. And when we do that, we can go to 1 John, and we're going to get a little bit of data here from that. But God's word says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin, and all means all. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, all this, this verse, this, this set of verses here, these actually, it's really, really deep. But I want to take some immediate takeaways. First off, we have freedom in confession. Like when we go to God and we just be ourselves and we share this is who I am, this is all of me, then he actually frees us and he forgives us of our sin. And it leads us actually to some other places because if we're seen perfect through the righteousness that is imputed through Christ as it's given to us, then how do we live in that truth? Because don't we really want to know how do we live in the freedom that Christ promises us? Well, how do we live in it? Well, our first step is to go with an unbiased humility. Every single one of us are at the same starting point. We are all at the same starting point, regardless of if we're a convicted felon, if we're a church deacon, if we are the president of the honor society or whatever. Listen, we are all at the same starting point uh, point in relation to God apart from Christ, because each one of us has sinned. Now, when we come to the reality and we come to terms with the fact that we are all broken in some way, then we actually have a place to be humble, because in our brokenness, we can find redemption. And if we live into that unbiased humility, this place where we don't look around and say, well, at least I'm not like this guy or that guy. At least I'm not like Bobby. At least I'm not like Kevin. Right? Because we tend to do that, don't we? We tend to look around and say, I'm so glad I'm not like that guy at Walmart with the kids screaming and You got milk pouring out of the cart, and there's a fight in the parking lot. Like, we are not those folks, right? Don't we do that? Is that me? I do that. I'm just going to say it. I know I do I I saw a lady say, don't get jazzy in the mouth at Walmart one day. I said, at least I'm not getting jazzy. I'm not even sure what that means. (laughs) But we do this. We, We look around, and we start to compare, and we say, well, at least I'm not, right? But we don't have a place for that because in unbiased humility, it says that we are all at the same starting point, and in the need help, uh, in need of redemption. And then we go to confession, where he frees us from the bondage of our past mistakes and the pains. And we do that with God. So one, it clears us there to where he forgives us. But then on the other side, if I'm faithful to confess with my brothers and sisters, then I know that Jimmy can't come up later and say, "Do you know Wesley did this?" Like if I've actually confessed it with people, and I'm just using you, Jimmy, for a minute, but um. But if Jimmy comes up, then I don't have to worry about what he's got to bring because ultimately I'm free from the transparency that I have with everyone else. So my past isn't a secret, and it no longer binds me or holds me. So whenever I'm active in this openness with my life, then I'm actually free to enjoy the way I live it. Like, I can actually walk in his freedom because, one, I don't think I'm any better than anyone else, and because my past no longer binds me because I've been freed from it through confession of Christ and confession to a brother. The other question we would want to ask, well, then, who is this? Because you can, we can easily tune this out, can't we? We can still do this whole I'm not them thing. And we can think we have it all together, but who is this for? Or we can also tune it out and say, you really don't know what I've been through. I am so jacked up, God can't love me. But let's look at this next verse, because the who's answered right here with everyone. And in, Ephesians, or in Romans, it says this, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is the Lord of all. All is still all here and bestowing his riches on all, which is still all here, who call on him for everyone, which everyone means everyone. Everyone is everyone here. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is for every single one of us. It's for the dirty, the clean, the crack addict, and the church deacon. I'm picking on deacons this morning. Like it, It doesn't matter who we are. The gospel is for us. It is for everyone that will call upon his name. Now, as long as we try to wholly roll our way in, we will always fail. When we're doing it in our own power, we will always fail. And until we come to understand that our past can never be so bad, that grace can't wash it, uh, wash it clean, it will always leave us feeling hopeless. And either of the two sides that we sit on, it will always leave us empty. See, we will always be empty if we're trying to work our way in or if we don't think that God could ever love us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, here's the deal. You can't outsin God's grace and you can't do enough to not need it. You can't outsin God's grace and you can't do enough to not need it. Jesus gives us a hope and a future. I want to share a story about sin because we still like to take this tendency of well, you don't know because I've done this or we like to take this tendency of well, you know, I haven't killed anyone. You know, I'm not a drug addict. I haven't, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. Listen to this. We're going to talk about the degree of sin because we want to measure it, don't we? We want to measure it in our terms. We want to say, well, you know, I didn't stab somebody like Bobby did last service, you know. We, we want to do that. He didn't stab anybody, just to throw that out. We want to measure our sin against each other, but I want you to think about it this way. There's a story of a missionary, and he went to the Middle East to, to do some mission work, and he got in a taxi cab, and the taxi driver was Muslim. And they were talking about all this stuff with God coming down and sin. And the taxi cab driver was having a hard time. He's like, well, I'm not as bad as this brother or this guy or this lady. Or, you know, he was really stuck up on, well, why do I need all that? Because I am not that bad. And then the missionary actually says, well, let me ask you a question. The missionary says, if I were to slap you right now, what would you do? You, sir, would be kicked out of my cab. Okay. If I were to get out of your cab and slap a police officer, what would you do? Or what would happen? He said, sir, they would put you in jail. He said, if I were to get out and slap the king of your country, what would happen? He said, you, sir, would be put to death. And the missionary said, that is exactly my point. He said, this is the same act on all three levels. You see, sin isn't measured by the act that we do. It is measured by the one it is against. And when we think about who God is, and we talk about who God is, God is completely holy and righteous. So whether it's a huge sin in our terms or the smallest, it is infinitely against a holy and pure God. The degree of sin is this, is that one sin is too much. One sin means that you are too dirty to clean yourself up if you don't have a hope apart from Christ. So Jesus never said... Come to me, all who are cleaned up, all who have it put together. Instead, Jesus said this. He says, Come to me, all who are weary, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is what Jesus said. Come to me. All means all here. Are you tired? Are you tired of trying to fake it? Are you tired of feeling like you can't get it? You cannot outstand God's grace and he can't do enough to not need it. We're going to have some people come up in a minute that will be ready to pray with you. We have people in the hallways to pray with you. If this is your first time and you're not a believer of Christ, listen, keep coming back. God loves you. He loves you so much that he would send his son to die for you. That is a hope that I rest in every single day because I I look back at my past and I'll just tell you this, is that I'm one of those guys that would say I'm way too dirty that can be clean. Because my past is a nightmare. Yet because of his grace, because of his love, I have a hope today. We have a hope today. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for you. Just thank you for you. There are so many things I could say thank you for, but nothing more than you. It's because of you that I have hope. It's because of you that I feel loved. It's because of you that my past no longer binds me. And it's because of you I have a family around me that will love me and love me eternally. And it's because of you I get to be with you. And God, I just pray that you would help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.